This series contains descriptions of grief and illness that some people might find upsetting. There's also some bad language. We were staring at the door behind my mum and she could feel all the hairs on the back of her neck standing up on end. And we said, oh mummy, man with the dog is behind you. I'm Rosie. I believe in ghosts. I'm Tristan and I don't believe in ghosts. And I'm Sarah. I haven't made up my mind yet. Last year, we put a call out on social media asking for real-life ghost stories. Since then, we've been travelling across the country to visit those who believe they have experienced ghostly goings-on. Welcome to Ghost on Toast. Shall I just start with with a question? Rosie, what do you believe in? Well, I do believe in life after death. I don't necessarily believe anymore in the types of heaven and hell that I was brought up to believe in. Mm. Catholic. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I do believe we must transcend into something. Because I just think there's just too many stories, coincidences, things that happen to people mm-hmm. that I just think... It must be true. And do you know what? I, I'm i the type of person that I just like to believe in it. Can I say that Rosie did believe in 2012, was it? I'll bring this up then. Well, oh. I just feel like we should put as in at this point that when... Was it the Mayan? Is that the, right? The, the Mayan, Mayan, the end of the calendar. world was predicted by the Mayan calendar. I had only just met Rosie, actually. And I remember Rosie being really, really worried. Um, not. Just, I don't think worried's the right word, actually. It was sleepless nights. It mm. was, I genuinely didn't have a proper night's sleep until way yeah. into 2013. I'd, I'd known you for a few years prior to this and, and it started off as a, a thing that you could joke about, but as the end of the Mayan calendar got closer and closer, you, you knew it was no longer something you could joke about. I, I can't explain it. I just, because I, I, when I grew up, I really, really wanted to believe in like fairies and mm. mermaids and stuff. And I still just really I've got my fingers crossed that they are real do you know what I mean you know we went to a wedding the other day with a real unicorn it was a horn on a horse admittedly (laughs) so I think all of these supernatural things just add so much richness to our world that I kind of want it to be real so much that I've kind of just let it manifest itself in my belief Mm. Tristan (laughs) you you don't believe in ghosts I don't believe in ghosts I respect Rosie. However, (laughs) I disagree. You say there are too many coincidences for it to not be real. Yeah. I think they are just coincidences. But what I mean is like there's too many stories, too many human experiences with ghosts. But there's, there's nothing, there's nothing empirical. There's nothing scientific. There's nothing evidential that can prove the existence of ghosts and i think i completely understand why we see ghosts why we believe in ghosts from a from a human psychological point of view and why we need that connection with those that are are dead but i don't believe ghosts are anything other than in some cases a a coping mechanism and in other cases just a, a series of coincidences that the mind tricks itself into believing i think we trust that what we see is what we see and often what we see isn't actually what's there. 
So, so what do you believe in? Do you believe in like worm food? Like we die, go into the ground, that's it. Yeah, I believe that when we die, it's the same as pulling the plug out of a computer. Right. Not reincarnation, nothing like that. N- no, we, we're just, we're gone. I think this is touching upon quite an interesting point because do you have to be religious to believe no, no. in ghosts? And, you know, I was definitely brought up atheist. Um, you know, I remember asking my mum, probably age six or seven, mummy is god real and um i sort of expected her i think to say oh you know maybe because it's the same as what she'd said about santa mm. you know <laughs> um, and she didn't she was just like no probably not no and i remember being really shocked as a kid because i was like oh my god there's no god and um i should pray to santa yeah who do, who is there <laughs> and i me- yeah i remember being really sort of sort of taken aback by that um so i was brought up pretty atheist um i was when age 11 i did accidentally attend a christian disco i was duped because i was told it was a disco wasn't told that actually they were just going to lock us in the gym at school and give us some custard creams and orange juice and sit us down and tell us about hell which was actually quite traumatic for me as a child was there any music um well, I think there's a bit at the beginning where you, you got to run around the room. Did they play the music until they locked the doors? Um, they were like, lock the doors. <laughs> um, after that, I was really like, oh my God, I've been brought up wrong and hell is real because this man at a disco gave me a custard cream and told me that hell was real. And I started reading the Bible and mm. ju- just out of fear. But despite that, my, my you know, part of this podcast really is about the fact that my, my granddad really believed in ghosts. And my granddad wasn't a particularly religious man, I don't think. I don't really think he was religious at all. But he did believe in ghosts and he'd seen ghosts. He told me they'd seen ghosts. And I really, you know, I really trusted my granddad and my mum really trusted my granddad. And I remember my mum being really conflicted about this because she, you know, is an atheist and doesn't, she's a scientist. She doesn't believe, she doesn't, she doesn't work for certain or anything. She, <laughs> she was a science teacher, but <laughs> that was really conflicting to hear that her dad had seen a ghost and believed in ghosts. Mm. Um, but I think my granddad took the view that it was almost something like you were sort of seeing through a window into the past and it wasn't anything religious. It was almost like kind of a glitch in the, the time warp or something like that. Anyway, he used to tell me ghost stories. Um, and one particular ghost story that he used to tell me, he would change it every time he told it, but it was about an old man who was visiting a hotel on the coast and he'd spent the night there and in the morning the man would go downstairs to have his breakfast and the hotel owner would come over and say hello sir i hope you had a good night we've got some breakfast options here for you would you like uh, beans on toast uh, cheese on toast or ghost on toast and that was the story they used to tell me and the story would change but it would always end like that and you'll notice it's also the name of this podcast <gasps> This week, we're on our way to see Emma on the outskirts of Essex to talk about something strange that happened to her as a child. Emma told us that she's always considered herself a spiritual person, but in recent years, she's found that her beliefs have started to shift. It opens up a question that will follow us throughout this series. How do our backgrounds and the belief systems we've been brought up with affect the way we think about ghosts and the supernatural? My first question is, do you believe in ghosts? Do you think they exist? Okay. Um, So I have always thought that ghosts exist. Mm -hmm. 
And that's because when I was a little girl, I was haunted by a ghost. But I am now challenging whether or not I believe in ghosts. Interesting. Do you want to explain the story first of all? We lived in this really, really old house. And um, the house had been used as, I think it was used as a hospital during the war. It was like this, um, my parents had bought it really cheaply when you could buy houses really cheaply it was almost derelict (laughs) and it so it was this really massive house but it was um you know really run down and my my mum really believes in ghosts and I think that that sometimes influences how we feel and my mum looked around the house and she says that um she said to my dad right we need to buy the house then she says that she went to sleep that night and in her sleep she felt pressure on her chest and she heard this man's voice saying don't buy the house because you can't afford to do it up to the standard that it should be at and I don't want you to buy it and she remembers having this conversation with what she considered to be a spirit um, saying no no we will we will do a really good job I really want to buy the house so I guess that's the the preamble of that so they did Mm. buy this house and so when we were little we used and I can still see the guy in my head we saw this man and I only see him in black and white I don't see him in color never saw him in color and he had a dog with him which is really quite unusual I guess Mm. Um, and we pointed him out in a dog book because we had this big book full of dogs, like in the 70s you have dog books, every, you know, we learned all the names (laughs) of all the dogs. And so we pointed it out and it was an Airedale, which is, you know, you don't see that often actually. So you'd seen the dog, um, a a ghost dog, and then when you were asked to point out what dog it was, you looked in the book and and found the correct dog. And we must have been three or four and we mm-hmm. said it's that dog it's that that's doggy. what we're seeing yeah the person they bought the house from was the son of the guy that had died in the house and my mum said to um, him the the twins are seeing uh, a dog and apparently the story goes the guy just went just white as a sheet and said that dog died a year before my father did <gasps> wow so it was like a really big, amazing house to grow up in. It had two sets of stairs. Um, it had the, like, the maid stairs and then the big red stairs. There was a green bathroom, which nobody wanted to go into because it felt really horrible and creepy. And apparently when my mum and dad had bought it, the whole bath was just filled with uh, plates and bowls and cutlery from people that just had squatted it and just, just oh, filled up the bath with bushing up. And, uh, and then there was this yellow bathroom. And um, Charlie and I... Uh, my twin sister used to have a bath together and one time we um, we stopped playing and we were staring at the door behind my mum and she could feel all the hairs on the back of her neck standing up on end and we said oh, mummy man with the dog is behind you and uh, she could feel that something was standing behind her but she didn't want to turn around I don't know why actually didn't turn around and she was just like well I'm sure he's really happy that you're having such a nice time in the bath together and we said he doesn't look very happy mummy 
And you both said it. We both said it and we both oh were pointing God. behind her. And she was like, ah. How old would you have been? Maybe three or four. And your mum didn't think that you were conspiring against her? No, 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 no. No, because no, I think the thing is that you don't know any different when you're a kid. Yeah. Mm. And you don't remember that. Well, I, I shouldn't. If I think as an adult, in an adult mm. head, I go, well, I shouldn't remember when I'm three or four. Mm. But I do remember this image. I remember being terrified in that house. Although I loved it, it, you know, it felt like a really magical space. We were terrified of being in that house. There became a certain age where we stopped seeing the ghost. We couldn't see him anymore, but we could feel it. Mm. And I remember Charlie and I being in the house by ourselves together and we could feel something come into the living room and we would run behind the sofa and hide. And we were genuinely scared. I mean, we weren't, it wasn't a laugh. We were terrified. Mm. And then we could feel an energy sort of passing by the back of the sofa and we would run to the other side and then we would quickly run out as long as you know we were trying to be together because it was so terrifying mm. there was also a room in that house the dining room which we didn't like to go in and my mum used to um, with all her friends used to go look the house is really haunted I'm going to show you um, and then she would get my sister and I to go into that room and she would shut the door and we would scream and go completely mad and go, uh, obviously, let us out. That room had such a horrible energy. Mm. It felt really cold. It, it mm. was just not a nice room. And that's the room that the guy died in. I've often wondered whether I should go and be hypnotised <laughs> and see literally what, what it was. Because there was also an experience where I felt that every night I was being haunted by mm. this man. Mm. And, and I... I think you know, I had these sort of really weird memories of like a skeleton hand coming out from the middle of the bed. It sounds like such my imagination, but tickling my tummy, but tickling it so hard that I couldn't make a noise. Mm. And it wasn't tickly, it was mm. painful. Mm. And then my sister won 50 pounds on the premium bonds and my parents <laughs> said to her, what would you like to get with the money? And she said, I want to get a bunk bed so that the ghost can't look over me at night anymore. So when she was about five or six, she got a bunk bed in her room because mm. we didn't have it, we didn't share a room, and she slept better. Mm. Um, and then I felt like then I just got woken up every night. Mm. But do you think maybe you were influenced by what she was saying? That maybe who, no, knows? who knows? Yeah, it felt like such a real experience. I remember saying to somebody, a grown-up actually, and I was still a kid, I remember saying, if it was somebody at the end of my bed saying, boo, mm. I wouldn't have an issue. But I felt at some points physically, physically harmed by mm. this being. Mm, yeah. And that's what scared me. Mm. That's what mm. left its imprint on me, yeah, yeah. was the fact that I could, I, I felt something like tickle me on my tummy and it was painful it wasn't and I couldn't scream mm. I couldn't call for help that's what I found scary mm. yeah. and I didn't say this but one time I woke up and my bed had been made above my head and it had been tucked in like really tucked the duvet had been tucked in over my head and I woke up because I couldn't really breathe and I was old I was like seven or something mm. and I, I remember I couldn't for some reason I couldn't pull it out with my 
arms mm. and so I, I, sl- I slipped out the side of the bed because mm. I wasn't tucked mm. in and I went to my mum and dad's room and I said somebody has tucked the duvet and I can breathe and they thought I'd done it. So did you ever talk about the haunting incidents when you were kids with Charlie? In yeah. adult life. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It was just a fact. We talk about this sort of ghost and purgatory. Mm. Spirits stay, energy stays for a specific reason. Um, did you think he was unhappy? Well, you did well, say yeah. he was unhappy. He looked miserable. Mm. <laughs> yeah, mm. and I think my mum always sort of felt that he was miserable as mm. well. And in the end, she said that she screamed out in the middle of, of the house, if you do not leave my children alone, mm. I'm going to bring in a priest to exercise the house. Oh, wow and it did stop. Earlier we heard how before she bought the house, Emma's mum felt a pressure on her chest in the middle of the night and heard the voice of an old man telling her not to buy the house. We thought this sounded like a night terror or sleep paralysis, where people experience paralysis combined with pressure and sometimes a sense that there's another presence in the room. We asked Emma whether she thought her mum could have been experiencing something like this. This question took the conversation in a very different direction. It is really interesting because I experienced that after my sister died. Right. Mm. And and the, the reason why I say I don't believe in ghosts is because we sort of had a pact that you're definitely going to let me know that there's something on the other side, mm. especially because of our experience. Yeah. As kids, haunted. yeah. And then I don't think she fucking did. I remember sitting there, literally with with her, you know, with with her body, and going, okay, give me a sign. Mm. Actually, go and give me a sign right now. Give me a sign. And I was looking at the candles, and I was like, going, come on then, you know, just like mm. I was saying, you know, put the candle out or make make the candle flicker or something. Just tell me that you are still here because th- this body feels empty, and mm. I don't feel like you're here anymore. Which means that I'm now doubting the belief system that I had. But there was a herbalist that I was working with, with with Charlie when she was sick and she was very intuitive and we got some sage and we sa- I saged over her body just because there needs to be some sort of idea of ritual I think when somebody dies and that felt mm. like the instinctive thing to do and so we used like water and sounds, so we used bells or we, we used a um, singing bowl um, we used sage, smoke, and we used feathers as well to just sweep the smoke into the room. And we did sort of a ritual and open the window and ask things to leave and uh, sprinkled water around. And it just felt very intuitive and it felt very powerful. And then that night, and I hadn't felt anything in the house at all, that night I woke up early hours of the morning because I felt something in the room so 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 much and and I felt this pressure on my right arm all the way up my arm all the way over my chest like somebody was lying on my body Mm. and and I felt terrified 
So I had that feeling of being like, something is here, something is here. And rather than being like, oh, it could be my sister, how wonderful. I was like, just get away from me. This is the scariest thing. And I and I remember trying to make a noise to wake Chris up because I was so scared and I couldn't make any noise. And I remember that happening before when I was a child. And this is what you do. You don't shout it because it won't come out. You have to start really low because it's almost like your voice is gone. Because I guess because you're sort of in a sleep paralysis, but you yeah. don't think you are. You think you're awake. You're awake yeah. And and I was going, Chris, 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 Chris. And finally, sort of, he he sort of woke up a little. And then I felt this energy move all the way over my body and leave. And it felt like I wondered whether that was her saying goodbye. And and then I texted the herbalist. And um, it might be quite easy for her to say this. She was like, well, it really can disturb quite a lot of things, but I wasn't going to say that to you because I didn't want to plant that in your head. <laughs> yeah. um, but if you need me to come over again, and I was like, no, I think it's gone now. Yeah, and then there was nothing after that. Hmm. But I still don't feel like that was a sign. <laughs> it wasn't the sign I wanted. Mm. Yeah. You know. But um, because she was really spiritual and... Mm. Um, yeah, she, did she believe in ghosts? Weren't all the stuff when you were kids... Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess in a way, I think that's that's one of the things is that when you're a twin, yeah. you reinforce, you, you know, if you were just a single person, single child experiencing something, you might let that go. But if you've got somebody that's constantly reinforcing mm. the belief system and what you believed you saw, that becomes very embedded. And I think probably you believe strong, you know, you take yeah. that into your adult's life. But um, she was following the Sufi tradition, and I only know what she told me, which was that she would sit with the sheikh and they would do these chants, and the chants would be about if you died, when you died, if you kept doing these chants, your path would be lighted up so you could follow it clearly in order to find what heaven is. Hmm. Um, and if you didn't do those chants which I think is the name of God repeated again and again and again but in different the different names of God if you didn't do it you were blind and you didn't know the way hmm. and so she did that practice a lot and they, they did they do practices of like meditations on 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 dying and, and death hmm. and that was before she knew she was ill yeah so I guess I feel in a way maybe she found her way hmm um, very or, quickly hmm. but but she, because she lived mainly in Spain and her kids were in Spain um, one of her best friends gets up at 5.30 every morning and goes and sings and he, he says she's here with me every morning oh. she sings with me every morning in a way I feel betrayed because I feel like she's not with me she's in Spain she's with her kids hmm. which is fair enough but she's also with her friends but she's not with me because hmm. I don't feel her so that's why I don't believe in ghosts I have a sadness and I, I probably, if I'm really honest, probably an envy for people that have a faith, because I yeah. don't. Mm. Uh, you know, I know somebody that's lost a child and it's absolutely mm. horrific, mm. but every time he sees a butterfly, he thinks it's a sign from his daughter and it fills him with joy. And every time they see mm. a, a coin on a pavement, they feel like it's a sign, so they feel connected. Mm they've got a very strong face so they believe that she's gone to heaven I wish I had that because mm. my god that would make it easier to hold mm. I guess that's why it's called faith <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I don't you know I, I just don't have it 
I did have a belief in spirituality, I did believe things, but because we tried everything to make her better, and all these spiritual people go, do this, do you, go now. Psychic surgeons and John of God and, you know, priests with healing powers, and nothing worked and nothing slowed the tumour down. And I know that for a fact because we had regular MRIs and I met, and I asked them how big the tumour was and it didn't slow down for anything. So I lost all my faith. Mm. So I did believe in things and now I don't believe in anything. And mm. that's really hard. It's actually very hard to go through life not believing in anything. Mm. I think maybe that's why we have faith. They say, like, you know, if you want to keep the body at home, open the window, keep the room cool. Even though, like, it was November, it's not exactly like it's in a heat wave during the summer. So we opened the window, and then I saged her body, and then I sat there with a the guitar, and I played a song, which is the only song that I was like, I, I just don't know what to do. So I played the Gayatri Mantra, which is this amazing Indian song that we learnt, both of us together in India. It's a really holy song. I can't remember what it means, it means something incredibly beautiful. Like, you who are the essence of all all beings, you know, return to God, return to God, something like that. It means something like that. It felt right, That's it was. it's instinctual, so I, did. I started to play the guitar. Yeah. And we got this little glowing pink lamp, which I've given to somebody now, because I was like, I can't see that pink lamp anymore. <laughs> it reminds me of this time. Yeah. And we had candles, and the window was open. And it's 3.30 in the morning, and it's yeah. November. It's really dark. Yeah. Just dealing with it, dealing with it, dealing with it. All of a sudden, this massive ginger tomcat jumps through the window into the room, lands on the windowsill inside the room. And I, I could have like screamed, but I didn't scream. I just looked at it. Because I've seen this this cat, this is a very interesting cat, there's a bit of a story about this cat. This cat belongs to people at the bottom of the garden. We have watched this cat, we had watched this cat from our bathroom window on the top floor, walking along a line of 20 foot conifer trees, trying to kill birds. It was a beast of a cat. I was like, I know you, I think you're slightly evil it jumps through the window and he lands on the windowsill and it just pauses there and then it leans forward and I'm like it's not even scared mm. it's not even scared that it's jumped into a room with a human being at 3.30 in the morning in the middle of the night mm. it is coming in and it was looking at Charlie mm. and I was there with the guitar I stopped playing the guitar and I was there going it's smelling death that's how I felt I felt like it smelled why would you jump in the window of a house you've never been in? You're not, you don't live here. At that time in the morning? At that time in the morning. That's just... I felt I could smell death. And I felt it was evil. And I stood up and I was like... Get out! And it pauses for a moment and then it jumps out and I slam the window shut behind it. And then I sit, I sit back down again. And then I was like, oh my God, Egyptians, cats... And I suddenly was like, fuck, have I just frightened away the cat that was coming to guide her soul? Maybe she didn't know where to go. Maybe she was calling it. Maybe it knew. And it knew there was a spirit there and it was coming 
as a guide because it is this aggressive cat or it is this hunter cat, mm. yeah. warrior cat. And I've just frightened it away and shut the window. So I left her room. I go and sit down at my computer at 4.40 in the morning and I type in cats, signs, Egyptians, dead. And that, that's what I do for like half an hour. On the morning that Charlie died, I'm looking at what that means for a cat to jump in the room. And then I realise that that's ridiculous because I should be in the room with her, but I'm not. I'm sitting there typing into Google what it means for a cat to jump into your room when you've just died. Which is ridiculous. And we don't do what we think we're going to do. Yeah. I think it's a very interesting story, the cat story, because I, there is some link there that people have made between cats and the yeah. after death. And if what, you believe what that. what if I scared it away? But she clearly has made her journey because she didn't give you a sign that she wasn't. Maybe the cat was the sign. Exactly. Yeah. I was like going at that moment as I was playing the cat. I think that's quite a big sign. Make the candle turn out. Yeah. And instead, the fucking cat jumps through the window, Mm. and I'm like, go away. She didn't make the candle go out. We asked Emma whether she thought her childhood belief in ghosts had followed her and affected her throughout her life. And I'd say that it totally has influenced. Uh, me and my life and Mm. my beliefs um, and also given me loads of sleepless nights and changed the decisions I've made because I'm scared and also decisions that my sister maybe made Mm. that maybe led her down a path where she's now not here anymore Mm. literally because you start to believe in things that you can't see and that changes everything I'm so grateful for what you've shared with us I think it's been it's been lovely and like really eye-opening I think thank you on our way home we reflected on Emma's ghost story of course it wasn't just a ghost story Emma and Charlie identical twins had experienced a haunting together as children from then on they'd always believed in ghosts and spirits when Charlie died Emma struggled not only with her grief but with her entire belief system They had even made a pact to contact one another from beyond the grave, when one of them eventually died. Emma doesn't believe that this has happened yet. Over this series, so often we travel to hear a ghost story and come away with so much more than that. We end up talking about faith and grief and childhoods and cultures. To talk about ghosts is to talk about our attitudes to death, and so often it gets to the heart of who we are as human beings. Thanks to Emma and her partner Chris for making this episode possible.